On this week's episode of the podcast, the boys are back in town and we are officially thankful. I'm not going to sing. Why not? Because that's a you thing and I don't feel like humiliating myself. That's fair. But that's okay because this week I have a story for Drew and by extension all of you listeners about the first woman to wear the number 10 for Brazil. Buckle up. This is Deadball Brothers. Welcome to Deadball Brothers, a weekly podcast about soccer and history with a healthy dose of stupidity. Drew. Yes. What's up? I'm nothing much. I'm switching it up. Yeah, Drew. I was going to say, I, I was really taken aback. <laughs> don't, even, don't even know how to act now. I, I was just at- uh, expecting you to kind of talk for, I don't know, like 30 to 40 seconds more. Looking for a little playful banter that lasts about 30 to 45 seconds yeah. before I subsequently introduce myself as everyone's least favorite athletic writer, Adam Whitaker Snavely, joined as always by my real life brother. You know, I'm disappointed because I thought you were going to give me the opportunity <laughs> to introduce myself first, but then you just went and stole it, that hope from me. And it doesn't make me feel good. I, but I kind of I went meta on you. I do feel good today because Manchester United came home with that 3-1 victory. One surefire way to tell Drew's mood. Uh, Marcus Rashford and Anthony Marthi- Martial brought the sauce, and they it did. was a great day. Great morning. Um, didn't really have a horse in the race for Liverpool versus Man City. Uh However, Liverpool crushed them. <laughs> but Liverpool crushed them. Controversial. A little. Con- it was Mike. Wasn't Mike Dean the ref? No, it was uh, Michael Oliver. Oh. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah, I, you know, to be a Premier League referee, you either have to be named Michael or Allen. Oh wait, no, Allen is, Allen is MLS referees. Mm. I got that mixed up. Yeah. They're all named Allen. They're all named Allen. A ton of them are. It's weird. That is weird. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm feeling great. Manchester United won. I I'm happy won. for you. I'm happy for you. Really, the only thing that can make today better is Bills snagging a W versus the Browns Which, today. uh, who knows? It's in the balance. <laughs> it is. We're, Isn't as, it always? As we're, uh, as we are recording, we are, uh, amidst, a, a game. As we usually are, since we record on Sundays. On Sundays. Generally speaking. So. That's okay. We'll see. That's all right. But this is a soccer podcast. It is a soccer podcast. A good weekend for soccer for Americans. Got Christian Pulisic bagging a goal. DeAndre Yedlin bagged a goal. Yeah, yeah. Go nuts. Pulisic continues to score with his head. We were talking. Is... We were talking about this in general, just about how weird it is that that a Chelsea team is so likable right now. Yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. Because <laughs> you because you don't want to like you don't want to like specifically them. you. I don't yeah. care. Yeah, uh, if you're a fan of the Premier League, but your favorite club isn't Chelsea, there's no reason to like them. Yeah. And, and there are a lot of reasons to hate them. Yes, <laughs> true. So uh, to see this this young squad um, with something to prove come in and get the results that they're getting is, is really cool and inspiring. And obviously... Coached by NYCFC legend Frank Lampard. <laughs> I'm not going to cheer against Christian Pulisic, so when he's playing well, I'm happy. We're having a good time. Unfortunately. Christian Pulisic. It's just unfortunate that this is happening on the Chelsea squad. Mason Mount, Fakaya Tamori, all 
playing with Dave. The financial fair play punishment was supposed to feel more feel like more of a punishment than it actually is. <laughs> it actually turned out to help them. Yeah, it's a good thing it's for a them. Good, it, like, it was probably the best thing that could have happened. Yeah. Now they have a... Call a, back their loan ar- army. A solid core of youngsters ready to help the cause. It's great. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see where the season takes us. Also, MLS Cup is happening right now. At this very moment? Like, it's about to kick off. Oh, wow. Well, we should wrap this up then. Yeah, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do it. We'll do it quick. Yeah, we'll okay. You have a story. I do have a story. Drew, a simple question for you. Okay. Who is the best women's soccer player to ever play the game? I mean, Marta is, like, pops into the mind first, but... Obviously. I mean, I don't know. I don't have a lot of stats to back me up. Uh, I think that... Yeah, it's, it's got to be Marta. Yeah. You know? <laughs> My answer is also Marta. Um, well, one thing I'll never forget, I'm um, just thinking about Marta, is seeing the highlights and actually the very tail end of the game of the 2007 World Cup when Brazil and the United States played in the semifinal. And this is at a point in time where the United States was ranked number one in the world. Yeah. They had more World Cups than anybody else. They had two. And then I think at the time Germany had one and and Germany won that tournament, so they got their second. Um but Germany had one and Norway had one. And okay. I think that was it. Yeah. Because I think it was ninety one, ninety five, ninety nine, two thousand three, two thousand five. Actually, no. There will be one more person. Who else won one? Sweden, maybe? I don't know. Whatever. Anywho United States was the number one ranked team in the world, and they were a team that, even if they lost games, they weren't a team that ever got embarrassed. Okay. And Brazil embarrassed the United States this game. Um, And I remember I woke up for the tail end of it because it took place, like, time change-wise. It was, like, super early in the morning. Yeah. Um, And I just remember waking up and seeing that Brazil was winning 4 nothing. And I was like, what is happening? Brutal. Um, and the highlights. Also, this was the the game that kind of sparked that whole Hope Solo, Brianna Scurry debate yeah. thing that happened. The, yeah. the whole like oh, well, that tiff occurred. Back when times were simple. I think that was a tournament really that the U.S. Women's Program realized that the rest of the world had kind of caught up to them because they didn't just lose again; they got embarrassed. Um, Marta was doing things that you just didn't see many women doing at the international level. Yeah. at that time, um, and scored what might be the greatest goal ever scored in a Women's World Cup again in that game um, when she had a a flick and turn that I would describe as Dennis Bergkamp-esque, um, where the ball came to her and she flipped it with her foot around one side of Tina Ellertson and then turned and ran around the other side of Tina Ellertson. Yeah. Um, before taking the ball in the dribble and uh, legendary defender Cat Whitehill stepped to meet her and she made her fall down. <laughs> yeah. She, she made her fall down and then scored. Well, Marta probably Oof. did it on purpose, whereas Bergkamp, it was definitely an accident <laughs> when he made that turn. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. We're not here to talk about Dennis Bergkamp. No, we're not. But... 
Marta, in my opinion, I think, is the best women's player to ever play the game. Yeah. Next question. Okay. Who came before Marta? I don't know. I don't know who came before Marta. <laughs> the chicken or the egg? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, it's really a philosophical question. I mean, I just think it's interesting because, you know, in terms of, if you look at the Brazilian men's team or a lot of different men's teams and even the women's teams, you can look back on kind of pivotal players and the people who were influencing the game. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the United States women's team and you're saying to yourself, you right now are looking at Alex Morgan and Megan Rapinoe and Carly Lloyd. Before them, you were looking at... Abby Wambach, and Abby Wambach played with people like Christine Lilly and Mia Hamm, and Mia Hamm played with Michelle Akers, like, way back, way back in the day, way back in, you know, yeah, the the, the original Women's World Cup in 1991, a.k.a. the year that I was born. Um, yeah. Can you do that with Brazil and their women's team? N- no, I don't, I don't know the, the history of women's soccer in Brazil. Mm-hmm. But I do know that a huge reason why the U.S. women's soccer team has a pretty rich history and has typically been top five, usually number one in the world, is because they've just gotten more opportunities to play mm-hmm. soccer. And if I had to take a guess, I would say that women in Brazil probably didn't get a ton of opportunities to play soccer before uh, people like Marta. Like, she was kind of, uh, I mean, she's been a huge trailblazer for the national team as of late. Um, But before that, I don't, yeah, I don't know anybody. Drew, that was some very good educating guessing. Call me Sherlock. Holmes. I will not do that. Okay, yeah, don't do that. But (laughs) the answer to the question, who came before Marta, is not many people. Yeah. Uh, Because women's soccer was straight up illegal in Brazil from 1941 to 1981. Yeah, 81. That wasn't that long ago. (laughs) No, no, it wasn't. Uh, Yeah, I I was going to say it was probably outlawed. Or something like that. So like women just weren't allowed to play. So if you recall, we were talking about Dick Kerr Ladies FC on our first episode. You had that whole long stretch of like 50 years where the FA banned women's soccer in FA-sanctioned stadiums. Yeah. So that was the Football Association, and that was them putting a rule under their members, essentially, the games that they oversaw. This was all of Brazil. This was the Brazilian government. Saying okay. women can't play soccer. That included every single form of soccer. Professional soccer, soccer for educational purposes, recreational soccer, whatever. Do people no matter, play do people play soccer for educational purposes? I mean playing soccer in school. Like I'm, gym class soccer. I mean, but is that really that's educational? What I was, that's what I was referring to. I guess okay. Don't be a dick about it. Okay. <laughs> No matter what age you were or what level you were at, if you were a woman in Brazil at the time, you were legally not allowed to play soccer. All the way up until 1981. Yes. 1941 what? to 1981. 40 so, years. Was Mar- Wait, when was Marta born? Do you know? Um, Marta was born in 19... 19- she, she, was, she was born after. Yeah, I, I was going to say, she had to be like one of the first... 
Brazilian babies born after the ban was lifted. She was born probably like 84, 85, something like that. 1986. 86. Okay. So five years. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Because she's 33 now. Yeah. Um, Which is wild to think that she's still only 33. She's just been around for so long. Yeah, I was going to say, she definitely feels like she... that she should be in her 40s. Yeah, but she's not. Easy. She's still like Formiga. fairly young. <laughs> yeah. She could still play in the next World Cup yeah. pretty feasibly. Yeah. 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 She should yeah, be there. Totally. She yeah. should be there. Let's do yeah. it. She'll be playing into her 40s. So for 40 years, and notably, this is like the 40 years when the international game on the men's side picked up so much steam. Because post-World War II is when you started getting really, really big, famous World Cups. Previous to World War II, there was a lot of World Cups that were occurring that, like, you know, a lot of European teams were like, well, I'm not attending that, or blah blah England was in their bag thinking, like, well, you know, we're the best, so. It's home. It's Why home. would we go it's anywhere home. else? Why would we go anywhere? <laughs> that is, that is a, a good way to put it. But specifically post-World War II is when the World Cup kind of became that phenomenon. Yeah. Before World War II, it wasn't. As big of a deal, okay, as something like European Championships, yeah, yeah, and then it kind of picked up so much steam. So for forty years, that the men's side, all that was like money was being poured into the World Cup, and you saw the international game, like a true international game, and not just continental, yeah, grow. In Brazil, women were not allowed to play soccer. Yeah, there was no organized women's soccer in Brazil. On the other hand, that didn't stop people from playing. That's oh, that's so good to hear. I was hoping you'd say something like that. On June 2nd, 1967, this name is not going to be pronounced correctly, but I'm going to make an educated guess. You didn't even reach out to... I, I didn't reach out to mom because I didn't have time. Uh, uh, based okay. on my knowledge of my very, very minimal knowledge of Portuguese. There's always time. I'm, this is what I'm going to... Always time to call mom, dude. This is what I'm going to say... <laughs> The name is Cisleji Jomor Lima. Okay, uh, that's that's my that's that's my guess. A little tougher to say than Marta. Yes, um, she will heretofore be referred to as Cici. Great. S i s s i because okay. that's her nickname, and I can pronounce that successfully. Yeah. She began to play soccer when she was only six years old. because she saw her brother and father playing it. Uh, However, soccer being illegal for girls to play in Brazil at the time, she would often kind of be playing in secret or like have to... It was left to her own devices as far as being able to play and doing that. Um, So sometimes she would actually take the heads off of her dolls Oh, and weird. use those to dribble as around. The ball? Yes, and oh. use that as the ball to dribble around and kick. Um, it also helped that eventually her father kind of encouraged her to play all that she wanted to. Yeah. And so Cece soon proved to be extremely talented. Great. When the ban on women's soccer lifted in 1981, Cece was 14 years old, and she immediately became a professional player in any way that she could. So a lot of women's soccer teams in Brazil were getting off the ground at this point when the ban was lifted, and teams were forming. Some of them were connected to men's teams. Some of them were not. But 
she was kind of determined to make it. And she begged her parents and her mom didn't want her to go. And eventually it was her dad who said, look, the child has a gift. Like, let her go. Yes. Yes, dad. Oh, man. If only Mulan's dad (laughs) had the same mindset. She has a gift. Let her go. But if Mulan's dad had the same mindset, we wouldn't get Mulan. That's, I mean... The adversity makes the story better. That's true. That's true. You got it. Shouts out to adversity. Say I can't, right? Say I can't and And, watch me. And it's that mindset that, to prove people wrong, that gives us stories like that. There has never been a successful National League in Brazil for women. Um, They tried once, and it lasted one year, and then it folded. Unfortunate. Um... All the professional women's teams in the country are all state competitions, uh-huh. so state championships. So uh-huh. um, Brazil has not nearly as many states as the United States, but their states are generally bigger. Um, and so all the competitions are in that one spot. Yeah. Um, CC played in several teams in different state championships in Brazil, and at the age of 16... She was selected for the Brazilian women's national team and made her international debut. In 1988, Cece was a part of EC Radar. I don't know how, how that's pronounced, but EC Radar is how it's spelled. Okay. A club team that was invited to play in an invitational tournament where different club and national teams all represented their home countries. FIFA was using the tournament as a test to see if a Women's World Cup would be at all feasible and popular. Um, the tournament was a resounding success. And Shocker. FIFA subsequently moved forward with the first Women's World Cup in 1991, hosted by China, where the Invitational Tournament also had been held. Cece was in the squad. Cece uh, had scored, actually, a goal or two in that Invitational Tournament. And probably would have been in Brazil's 1991 World Cup squad, but she was not released to to play in the tournament by her club. Um, apparently, at the time, FIFA just wasn't strictly enforcing the, that rule for okay. the women, I guess. Okay. Um, it feels really, really weird. Yeah. It's, it's very odd, um, but they, they wouldn't release her to play the in the Women's World Cup, the first one. Um, CC was not in China in 1991, and Brazil's women's team was actually eliminated in the group stage. Uh, the United States won that tournament. Four years later, CC was in the squad as uh, Brazil traveled to Sweden for the 1995 Women's World Cup. They got lumped into a difficult group, though, with Germany, the hosts, Sweden, and Japan. Uh, the team finished in last place and once again failed to make it out of their group, just like in 1991. Mm. Bouncing around from team to team in Brazil, CC played for three different clubs in the next four years, Sad Esports Club, uh, Sao Paulo, and Palmeiras. The, she was an attacking midfielder and would make her mark, however, not really in her home country, nor in Asia, where the inaugural, inaugural World Cup took place, and not in Europe. CC was coming to America for the 1999 Women's World Cup, and she was going to leave her mark there. Thank you guys for sticking around into the middle of the podcast. Um, 
I guess we're like 20 minutes in now yeah, at this point. It's the middle of the podcast. And I respect you so much for staying through that first half. We're big respecters here. Not like it was a disaster or anything. It no, just means a lot. It felt pretty decent. Okay. Listening to this entire thing. We just appreciate you. Yeah. Oh, so much. Lots of appreciation. Yeah. We have some things going on uh, outside of soccer stories. Uh, we are in the midst of our WTFPL, WTFPL. Se- season. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a fantasy Premier League league. Um, we haven't talked about w- WTFPL in a while. We haven't talked about it in a while. It hasn't really changed much. The no. last time I believe the last time we talked about it, and we also had a, an international break or two. Yeah, the last time we talked about it, Noah Baker's Dunkin' Donuts was in first, and they're still in first. He he was second for a couple weeks. Um, by Barca Blue Jays is Joey Anthony. I'm guessing is how you pronounce it. Uh, I just know him as USA Prospects on Twitter. USA Prospects on t- on Twitter. Give him a follow. Good dude. Um, I broke into the top ten recently, which is pretty exciting. Only at the moment the the league hasn't updated yet. Yeah, still still Sunday. They're still working out the standings, but I'm uh. I'm only 40 points off of first place, which isn't too bad. And meanwhile, uh, myself and my team, Regina Jorginho, are hoping to break out of the 30s this week. Yes. And I think that we will have a decent shot at it. You know, it's kind of funny. You're 101 points behind me right now. 101 Dalmatians behind Drew. <laughs> classic. So classic. Unfortunately, we don't have any reviews to read this week we've run out of listener reviews we've run out of listener reviews so if you're one of the listeners of this podcast and you still haven't left a review um hey how about you do that if you want to please yeah there's no pressure if you know what i mean <laughs> the face you're making is, makes it seem like there's pressure and i just want to communicate that to the listeners of our audio only podcast there's Wink. no there's pressure. no pressure Wink. Wink. Right. Classic. <laughs> we also have merch for sale right now. Uh, that's on our Teespring store. Um, so our link is, the Teespring link is on our Instagram. It's on our Twitter. Um, we can probably actually put it into the uh, the little info sections for the podcast episodes. Oh, I guess that's, I think about that's it, probably yeah. a good that's idea. That's probably a really, really good idea. Should we get a website? Maybe. Eh, eh, maybe. We'll think about it. We'll think about that's it. That's only if we blow up. That's like, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a ways down the road. You determine. You determine if we get a website or not. <laughs> uh, but we have some T-shirts. We just released a new T-shirt called the Scatterbrain, um, which is pretty fun. It's dope. And it's the only one that's not just white, black, and pink. This one is available in white, black, navy blue, and gold. Navy blue is like a top color for me navy blue is the navy blue it's one top is pretty two. tight it's top two for me i'm actually i'm a big fan of both the navy blue and the gold ones they're 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 pretty tight looking navy blue and forest green are probably the two best colors on the face of this earth i'm a big fan of green and i like science. i like more of an olive olive all olive green's pretty green. good yeah it's pretty good it's yeah. a pretty good green yeah i just like a nice dark forest green it's just there's just something about it that really gets me going why does it sound so sexual <laughs> It's only sexual if you make it sexual. <laughs> you just said it gets you going. No, not like that. Oh, something about it. No. 
No. Anyway, if you want to check out those uh, those T-shirts or our hoodie uh, or our long sleeve shirt that are also on the Teespring store, you can check that out at teespring.com slash slash store slash Deadball Brothers Shop. It would be very nice. It would be very nice if you did that. That out. It would be super, super cool. The nicest. And neato. And if you're one of those people that bought a t-shirt already, go ahead and take a picture of yourself, if you're not an anonymous Twitter account, and send it to us, because we like to see people happy and enjoying their new merchandise. Oh, yes. Uh, A couple people have already gotten their merch. They said it looks great. Yeah. uh, Which is super exciting for us. It is. Just the fact that there are people in this world we're wearing t-shirts that are connected to, to us. our podcast which seems <laughs> sounds like the most ridiculous thing in the world it does sound very ridiculous it's true now i guess yeah so yeah, uh, here we are thank you guys so much for for the continued support again in in all seriousness and in sincerity thank you so much for listening thank you for buying a t-shirt or leaving us a review or whatever um it's honestly more than we could have hoped for we didn't really expect many people to listen and we already have way more people listening than we thought we were going to. Yeah, you guys don't owe us anything, and you've given us so much support already. So it's it's really cool. With that said, thank you so much for that support, and we're going to dive back into this story. You ready, Drew? Oh, I'm really ready. Let's get into it. And we are back. So back. Adam, I am. My interest is peaked. Yeah. Uh, at how Cece left her stamp on the history of the women's game of soccer. Drew in more they more ways than one, and both on the field and off the field. As it turns out, that's awesome. Brazil once again drew a group of death in 1999, facing off again against Germany. Uh, and then against Italy and Mexico. Germany and Italy had both advanced far in previous World Cups, and Brazil were coming off of a semifinal appearance in the Olympics, despite their poor results in previous World Cups. So the group was once again kind of dubbed like, oh, well, it's a group of death again. Yeah. Any, anytime you got a, anytime you're, you're playing Germany, it's just not it, like in anything. The Germans are always good. Yeah, they they actually are like all around just great athletes that. Just about any sport. I'm trying to think of a sport where they don't do well in, Olympic-wise. Breakdancing. Breakdancing. Uh, hip-hop. I don't, I don't hear a lot of German hip-hop, but maybe that's just because I'm not in the scene. I'm definitely not in the scene. 100% so. not in the, the German hip-hop <laughs> I'm scene. I'm as far away from the German hip-hop if scene as you If one of be. you guys are in the German hip-hop scene, I would Dude, love to listen. I really listen. would. I really like, would love That would be really, really That cool. would be awesome. This World Cup, however, would be different. Cece, now 32 years old, opened her tournament with a hat trick against Mexico as Brazil routed them 7-1. She followed that up with another two goals against Italy in a much more tightly contested game, Brazil winning that tie 2-0. These results qualified them for the knockout rounds and a quarterfinal berth, but for good measure, they drew with Germany in a back-and-forth match that ended 3-3 after Brazilian substitute Macon scored in the dying moments to bring the match level. Cici also notched a goal in that match. 
So that was important because it meant that Brazil got to play Nigeria in the quarterfinals as opposed to the United States on their home turf. Who, spoiler alert, <laughs> uh, happened to win the 1999 Women's World Cup. Spoiler alert, 20 years later, if you haven't watched the 1999 <laughs> Women's World Cup, the United States kind of wins. <laughs> Germany would lose in the next round to the United States. Surprise. Again. Shock. I <laughs> Directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Did not see that coming. (laughs) The quarterfinal match against Nigeria, already the furthest that the Brazilian women had ever advanced in a World Cup, looked like it was going to be a blowout. Brazil went up 3-0 in the first half, the Nigerians not being able to contain a Brazilian attack that had already scored 12 goals in the group stage. Sisi assisted on two of them. The second half, however, was a different story. Nigeria stormed back with goals in the 63rd and 72nd minute, setting up a scramble to the finish in the 85th minute it happened. Nkechi Egbe found the ball after a brief scramble at the top of the box, whirled around, and, falling to the ground, slotted a shot to the far post. The match went to extra time. So in this tournament, was it golden goal? Or was it... I'm glad you asked. Yes. At the time... FIFA was still operating within the confines of the Golden Goal yes. format for extra time. Any listeners of the pod for any distance will know that the Deadball Brothers are big fans of the Golden Goal. Oh, it's the best kind of goal is a Golden Goal. I think it stems from us having Golden Goal when we were playing in high school. Yeah. Yeah, except it was a big time bummer if you lost in Golden Goal. Because you never... didn't get a chance to come back obviously equal uh, yeah obviously i never lost in golden goal well i only lost in golden goal in the state quarterfinals when oof we were up two nil yeah yeah Yeah, that's unfortunate that was too bad um moving quickly along from that (laughs) in the 105th minute of the game an opportunity presented itself brazil was awarded a free kick on the left side of the field probably about 30 yards from goal or so Uh, Close to the corner of the box. If you look at the goal from today's context, it's like an okay angle. It's not great, but it's doable. It's not awesome. Um, It's not like a, this is my wheelhouse. But if you're like Marcus Rashford, you're taking the shot. Yeah. Yeah. You saw that free kick, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. You're taking the shot. Yeah, you're taking the shot. In 1999, I don't think many people were expecting a woman to go for goal there. Um, and it didn't really look like Nigeria expected them to, at least, because they only put two players in a wall. Mistake. Ten yards from the spot where Sisi was lining up to take the kick. And that's where they would be mistaken. Sisi took the shot with her left foot, curling it around the wall and pinging the ball off the inside of the left post to end the game right then and there. It's it's actually a sick free kick. It's like... Up there with Roberto Carlos, uh, his outside left foot free kick that kissed off the inside of the, well, I guess it depends on what way you're facing the goal. But I think it's technically the near post. The near post, too. yeah. Um, but yeah, did you have you seen the goal? Oh, CeCe's goal? Yeah. Yeah, I looked it up. Um, this is actually what it what it looked like. Oh wow. Yeah. That is a uh, 
Oh, she's happy. <laughs> oh, she's, yes. It's 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 the it's a golden goal. So that that makes sense. You know. It's it's like it's a really really good free kick, um, and Oof. I mean just in the way that it, it ends the game, um, it is a you know obviously the golden goal after such a dramatic game where brazil storms out to this early lead nigeria comes back and ties it at three right at the end of the game it was a a classic end to the match and that goal proved to be an award winner for cc as well it was her seventh and final goal of the tournament and though brazil lost their semifinal match with the united states to nothing cc still won the golden boot for the tournament yeah, yeah, she had to have. I mean, she was banging in so many goals. She actually tied. There was, oh, really? there was a tie for Golden Boot. Um, her and a player from China, whose name I do not recall now. Gotcha. But they, they tied for the Golden Boot. After that tournament in 1999, Brazil coach Wilson Oliveira Rica made the statement, For Brazil, Cece is the best in the world. For us, she is the queen of soccer. Yes. <laughs> Cece was not finished making her mark in America, however. When the WUSA started in 2001, which was the first attempt at a national pro women's league in America, Cece was there, a teammate of Brandy Chastain's on the San Jose Cyber Rays, which is a dumb name for a team. Cyber Rays? Cyber Rays. What is a Cyber Ray? It was like a Stingray, but there was like computer Lasers shooting out of its eyes. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was not good. Laser shooting out of its stinger. It was it was it was in the same vein as uh, the uh, uh, what was it the Miami Fusion had that like cybernetic bat way back in the day in the early MLS yeah there Jeez. there was some there was some not good yeah the Cyber yeah. Rays were not the best name I've ever heard for a team ever but she was on that team her reasons for leaving the pro game in Brazil however had much less to do with the United States and more to do with the lack of support and continued sexism that Brazilian women face when playing the game. Yeah. Cece had a trademark look from that 1999 World Cup. She shaved her head. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I saw her bald head. Yes. This was not deemed a classic feminine look by a Brazilian public that wanted its women to look as such. In fact, Cece even said that some women were picked to play for the Brazilian national team because they were seen as beautiful. That's this so is stupid. A quote. This is a quote. Oh, my gosh. Because I was Cece, they had to swallow the fact that I was like that. <laughs> I remember very well that other people were picked for the team because they were more feminine. But in 1999, they had to accept me because I was playing well, scoring goals, so journalists came and wanted to interview Cece. They couldn't say anything to me. Oh, man. That is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's from a, an interview with uh, Di Bredoras. But um, this is the part that inspired me to do the story. There's actually uh, there's a lot of good journalism and scholarship on the history of women's soccer in Brazil and the lack of support the Brazilian Federation has historically given women in the article Don't Take the Red Lipstick Off by Nicole Froyo for Unusual Efforts, which is a website and podcast and stuff, um, specifically focusing on uh, women writers and women in the game. Cool. Um, Check that out because that's where I got the inspiration for this podcast and uh, kind of where I first got, basically knew about CC because I really knew before I had read this article. Um, it's about Marta and Brazil after, and it was kind of happened during the last this last summer's World Cup. Um, Cece had originally made a commitment to shave her head based upon a, like success with the national team and kind of uh, this like agreement that she had with her teammates. 
She, however, committed to the look after that for pretty much the rest of her life upon meeting a boy with cancer who had been bullied for his hair loss. Uh. Um, and she, so she decided that she was going to like, kind of like honor him that way, basically. Yeah. Um, she, in that same interview from before, she said, what I went through was not easy. No, I suffered prejudice from all sides from, uh, the CBF, which is the Brazilian Federation, uh, from the people, the looks, the comments, but there was a moment that I said, I don't care. That's not what will make, uh, that will, that isn't, that's not what will define me as a person. The important thing is that I feel good about myself. In 2001, the Paulista State Championship in Brazil amended its rules and players' handbook to include rules and guidelines for the way women who played in the championship should look. This included notes on hair and makeup and included the statement, we should emphasize the beauty and sensuality of the players to attract male viewers. (sighs) 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 That is so terrible. Yep. I, I don't even, yeah. Just like you win the golden boot, you, you kind of, you help your country get farther in the World Cup than they've ever been at a tournament that was super popular and incredibly well attended. And then the next thing that happens is people are just like, hey, well, you need to look more like a woman. So you have to change everything about yourself. It's so stupid. <clears throat> that is so stupid. Yeah. Yep. Literally, like, your whole life. Like, uh, yeah. you've, you've been building up to this moment kind of thing. Gosh. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty terrible. So, instead of playing the game in Brazil, CC simply left. Good. Good for her. While she no longer played for the Brazilian women's team, she played in California for nearly another decade, finally playing her last professional minutes for FC Gold Pride in 2009. At the age of forty-two, that wasn't that long ago. Nope, <laughs> that was ten years. Ten ago. years ago, that was that was. How have how have I never heard of her? Exactly, that is crazy. Exactly, dude. People don't people don't know about her. Yeah, like we we hear. I mean, we we hear about obviously the American kind of forerunners uh, for the women's game, but yeah, for so many of the forerunners for other countries, we just don't know. Uh, especially not compared to the way that we know, like Pele. Yeah. And yeah. Maradona and players from other countries um, for the men's game. Yeah. But we don't hear about them for the women's game. Yeah. Partly because we don't look and partly because like that information isn't also being presented to us by the people that are giving us the game. Yeah. I don't know if I'm necessarily looking for who yeah. the trailblazers for Italian men's soccer, English men's soccer yeah. are. It's just kind of given to us. Mm-hmm. You know, people are, are pushing that. Because that's yeah, because that that's what's being heavily invested in therefore yeah. being pushed to us. Yeah. Kinda makes you think. <laughs> yes, yes it does. Deadball Brothers. Kinda makes you think. <laughs> um to the best of what I can find on her these days, she still coaches soccer in California at different clubs and she still wears her head shaved. In the two thousand and three Women's World Cup, four years after their previous number ten, Cece had won the golden boot, Marta debuted for the Brazilian women's team at the age of 17. Mm. To this day, there is still one active player for Brazil's national team that was alive while soccer was still illegal for women. 
Formiga. Formiga. (laughs) May she live forever. (laughs) May she live forever. The player who has appeared in seven different World Cups and the person who first shaved the head of the first Brazilian woman to wear the number 10, the queen of soccer, Cece. Yeah, Formiga shaved her head. That's cool. I was was wondering why you didn't say any... I mentioned Formiga earlier Mm -hmm. in... This recording and you just didn't acknowledge it at all. I, was I like, had, nah, I, whatever. had a, I had a moment. I had a moment <laughs> planned for Formiga. I was like, all right, I'm whatever, a Formiga man. fan. Okay, I've been on Formiga. I know. I was like, <laughs> man, I thought you were usually more excited about Formiga than this, but I don't know. I, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was actually a fun little. Yeah, tidbit. that is like, really Formiga cool. Formiga actually was the person who shaved Cece's head the first time. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's that's the story of Cece and kind of the continued story of women's soccer in Brazil and how little support they have gotten traditionally. Actually, I'm I'm very interested in what Brazilian soccer looks like in the women's game in the next four years because they just hired Pia Sundaga. Oh to yeah, be yeah, their head yeah. Coach. Um and that suggests to me that And they just crushed uh Sweden? Yeah. Like, it was like 4-1. I, uh, it suggests to me that possibly, finally, the Brazilian Federation is like going to make an effort as far as their women are concerned. Yeah. That is really cool. Which I, I mean, would, which I would love to see. All the other stuff isn't really cool. Yes. It, in fact, it is not cool. The opposite of cool. The opposite of cool. Uncool. Uncool. <laughs> Unlegit. <Yes>. Uh, <laughs> and we're here. So yeah, that's that's Cece, who who was who was very interesting to me, mostly because I didn't know, I didn't know her story. Like I straight up didn't know. Especially since we have uh, pretty deep roots in the yeah uh, Brazilian culture. M- Mom's homeland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, and and I just just straight up did not know about her. I I remember watching. I watched the final of the nineteen ninety nine World Cup. I would have been. Like, I would have just turned eight, eight years old. And I remember watching it. I remember watching the penalty kicks. Yeah, I definitely, happened. I did not. I did yeah. not watch. No. Well, if you did, you were a, a baby. Well, I mean, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Or you were. You I was probably were, like four. four. I was probably four. watching. I was probably there. Maybe you were there. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I don't remember seeing Brazil. And, and that's, and that's interesting to me too, because one of my, first memories of watching any soccer ever was watching the final of the 1998 World Cup when Brazil played France. Oh, I watched it with mom yeah, at Letourneau yeah. Yeah, of yeah, all yeah. places. Yeah. It's like <laughs> a, this is a very vivid memory of watching that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, it was definitely very interesting to me and I thought that it was a good switch up for the, I mean, for the podcast because we'd been doing a lot of European stories and I was like, let's go back to South America. Go back to South America. Let's go back to women's soccer. Yeah. Let's do a little something. Yeah. That is an awesome story. Thank you for sharing it. And I, I'm sure our listeners will feel like they got a, a good piece of yeah. history. Look today. up Cece. Um, if you haven't heard of Unusual Efforts, check them out because they're super cool. Again, that was the inspiration for this episode and a lot of uh, some of the reporting um, and some of the things that I'm quoting came from that article by Michelle Froyo, which is entitled – don't take off the red lipstick. Um, go ahead and look that up. It's really, really good. It gives you a good insight into kind of 
the amount of stuff that the Brazilian women's team kind of constantly has to overcome despite having some of the best players in the world. Yeah. Which is which is it's just it's wild to me. Yeah. That yeah, they really cool. they consistently have some of the best players in the world, but they don't put money into the women's game. Yeah. Yeah. And I think from that we can just say also support women's soccer. Yeah. Please, because it is dope. It is, it is so much fun to watch. Um and the women are immensely talented. Like there's there's no drop off from the men's game to the women's game. Like I the women, yeah, yeah, women yeah. are ballers, there, man. There's, there's no drop off from the, the women's game to the men's game. The, I mean, the, the big difference between men's and women's soccer is that, on average, scientifically speaking, men have more like of a muscle mass thing than or like it, it's. There's a reason that you know in the Olympics the world record sprint for a man is faster yeah, than yeah, a world yeah, record. Yeah. So basically the the main difference between men and women's soccer is that typically the players are faster and or can jump higher or whatever, but it doesn't really translate to the quality of the game. Yeah, from a technical standpoint. No. Yeah. Um yeah. The Women's World Cup was so much fun this year. So many of the games were so much more fun than the 2018 Men's World Cup. Yeah. Pay money to watch women play soccer. Like yeah. that's how you support them. That's the message Buy of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Do something because yes. it's important. Do something. Do something because we want it to stick around because it's a very good thing. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, that's our little soapbox for the end of the episode. Yeah, absolutely. But thank you once again for listening to us. Uh, if you would be so kind, please rate and review us. It helps us out a ton. If you've been procrastinating on rating or reviewing because you're like, oh, I want to say something smart or funny or intelligent, just say something that you would say from the heart. And leave that review. Because I've talked to some people that are like, oh, I want to leave a review, but I want to make it funny or something like that. I'm like, just do it. Just, just make sure – just follow your heart. Yeah. You know, that's what, that's what I would I would do. That's what you always do? That's what I always do. You know. As always, you can find us at DeadballPod on Twitter and Instagram. We're on Facebook. You can email us with any questions, any stories you want us to dig into, any concerns you have about the podcast. Uh, DeadballPod at gmail.com. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you so much. As always, my name is Adam Whitaker Snavely. I'm Drew. And we will see you guys again in about a week. Bye-bye.